Good morning, Veritas. How are you guys doing this morning? Doing all right? Beautiful week this week, weather-wise. It's been good, so uh, hopefully you guys are doing well. Well, this morning, I just want to start with this thought. We're, we're coming to the end of the, the Apostles' Creed, and we've got the last line this morning. I, w- I just want to start um, with this, this question. Um, have any of you guys felt, like me, the, the aging process starting to set in a little bit? Uh, maybe it's come in the form of a health scare, or I feel like I'm going from yearly health crisis to like monthly to maybe weekly. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe maybe I've got another, you know, five or ten years before it becomes weekly, but it's definitely monthly. I'm I'm starting to get think. I, I'm reading something the other day, and the little letters are starting to get blurry. What what's what's that? What what's that? Um, I, next thing you know, I'm gonna be you know. Dale or Jeff up here with, with bifocals, like trying to read my notes. I don't know uh, where this is going, but um, it's happening, right? Some of you guys, yeah, oh yeah, yep. I'm like, already though? Am I really, is it really time to retire from basketball and take up pickleball? Is it time for that? I mean, you feeling me? Like, I got this thing on my Achilles, uh, and, and I've got friends like, you better stop. And, and I, I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I can do that. The aging thing is, is happening, right? And there's that moment of terror when you're like, am I dying? Is this, I was heart pains the other day, am I dying? What's, what's going on? Uh, so yeah, this week, my wife, uh, Letha, she was, her and my daughter, um, had a, we had a scary situation, right? She's, she's with my daughter, and, and uh, she scratches something off, her, off of her chin, um, they were out on the road or something, and, and it was uh, right after breakfast and stuff. She scratched this thing off, and it left a, a spot like what you would see after Lyme's disease, like the, the deer tick thing. And that was scary. So she knows, like, with Lyme's disease, you want to try to deal with this right away. So she's, she's calling me. They're, like, about to go to the ER, and she's... She's like, I should probably, I know that you're supposed to keep the, the tick, you know, so they can, they can examine it. So she, uh, she had scratched it off and, and put it in a napkin and, and set it aside. So she starts rummaging through the trash wherever they were to find the napkin because she was like, I, I need to find the tick. And sure enough, uh, she found it in the, in the napkin. And so this was a, a picture of the, the deer tick. Um, so first first slide there. Um, there it was. I mean, see that? And uh, Savannah and her examining the tick, I, it's kind of blurry because I'm zoomed in here. And uh, Savannah, our 10-year-old, says, um, she, she says, Mom, that's not a tick. And she points to her little smoothie jar. She goes, that's a chia seed. Okay, so, so health, health crisis averted. Stop the trip to the ER. Everyone calm down. It's not a deer tick. It's a chia seed. Isn't that the news we all want to get from the doctor? I mean, isn't, isn't that moment of relief like, oh, I'm not dying, right? I'm not, I don't have Lyme disease or whatever. It's like that moment of relief that, it's not a deer tick, it's a cheese. Isn't, isn't good health news the best news there is? I mean, isn't, isn't that the best? When someone just, it's going to be okay, you're not, di- well, you are, but just not now, that kind of thing. Uh, that's great news, right? 
And that's a great feeling. Well, I have, I have incredible news for you all this morning. I have the most amazing health, like good health news for you this morning. Are you ready for it? This is, this is awesome. This is going to be better than, oh, it's just a chia seed. This is going to be better than that. And there's two main passages we're going to go to. And they're kind of parallel passages because in his letters to the churches, Paul writes to this church in Philippi and this church in Corinth. He, he, this is a theme that he comes back to a lot in his writings in the New Testament. But I'm going to Philippians 3 verses 20 through 21, and 2 Corinthians 4, 14. And we're going to look at these passages and, and see what they have to say about this great health news for us. Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. Our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly wait for a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humble condition into the likeness of his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject everything to himself. Now let's look over at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 14 through 18. We'll start Verse 14, we're kind of picking it up in the middle of a thought that he begins in in verse 7. But verse 14 says, For we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you. Verse 16, Therefore, we do not give up, even though our outer person is being destroyed. Our inner person is being renewed day by day for our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. So we do not focus on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. If those verses in 2 Corinthians are not yet highlighted in your Bible, man, I would, I would strongly recommend highlighting that, memorize that, tattoo it, whatever you need to do. Uh, that is amazing stuff. And let's kind of meditate on this. This morning, our topic is on the list of the coolest things that Christians believe that we don't talk about enough, and it's the doctrine of glorification. And it's summarized in those last words of the Apostles' Creed, I believe in the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. Amen. This is a recurring theme in the New Testament, so if you're taking notes, here's the great health news you've been waiting for. Here it is. Write this down. It's kind of our big idea. You are getting a new resurrected body. That's incredible health news for you. You, this is not all there is. Like this is not as good as it gets. Thank the Lord for that, right? God is transforming this humble, lowly, wasting away body. He's going to transform it and give us a new resurrected body. At the moment of salvation, the moment somebody repents of their sins, turns to Jesus Christ, 
a whole lot of things happen. Think about it. Think about all the things that happen inside of someone when they meet Jesus at the cross for the first time. What happens? They're regenerated. They get a new heart. The old is gone, new has come, 2 Corinthians 5. What else happens? They're regenerated, new heart. They're justified. That means they're declared righteous, no condemnation. The righteous requirements of the law are now fully met in them because of Jesus. That's amazing. Regenerated, justified. How about adopted? They become a child of Satan and they transferred into being a child of God, a child of the king. That's amazing. Adoption. If you know Jesus, you've been regenerated, justified, adopted. We could list some other things, reconciled, but there's something that has not happened yet. There's a final step in the salvation process that happened, hasn't happened. Or you could say the final application of salvation and the cross and the gospel that has not happened yet. What is it? Well, Paul tells us here in Philippians 3.21, we'll go back to that. He says, he will transform the body this physical body of our humble condition into the likeness of his glorious body. That hasn't happened yet, and it will happen. In fact, in Romans 8, he uses past tense. He says, those he's called, he's also justified. Those he's justified, he's also uh, sanctified. He's also glorified. He kind of, at different times, he talks about this in past tense as though it's happened, but it has not happened yet. It's gonna happen. It just hasn't happened yet. And he describes this. Let's look at this. He says, the humble condition of our body. I love that. That's a nice euphemistic way of saying, yeah, that balding, aching, sagging, dying, decaying body of yours, it's in a humble condition. I mean, try that next time. Like you see your friend and you're like, wow, you're looking... Humble, like, yeah, like, or that person over there, you're always trying to describe nice ways of describing, like, yeah, you know that, that person, their, their body's in a real humble condition, you know, uh, it's like in soccer, I love watching soccer, they use these euphemisms all the time, someone does the most boneheaded play, and it's unlucky, you know, <laughs> they're just unlucky uh, in soccer. I, I love how Paul describes our humble condition, I, I remember um, my my great-grandma, Ida, as a little kid going to the nursing home in Madrid, Iowa. For some reason, it's not Madrid in Iowa. It's Madrid. And so we were, we were in Madrid, Iowa at the nursing home. And my mom, we were walking in. And, and as a kid, I didn't like going there because my mom would always say, now, now go up to grandma and give her a kiss. And that's the most terrifying thing for just a little kid, right? Because she was 100 years old. And she's sitting there, you know, I still remember her like wrinkled skin and wiry hair and like other hairs coming out of other places that I'm like, I, I'm so scared of Grandma Ida. And, and she, she would take me up and like, now give her a kiss. You know, I remember going up and, and she would kind of reach out her, her like gnarled hands. And now, of course, as I age, I'm like, that's so beautiful, isn't it? Like aging is, is actually beautiful. It's like my, my other grandpa, great grandpa lived to be uh, uh, 99 years old. He was at a, at a restaurant and, and the, 
my, my grandpa says to the waitress, how old do you think he is? And she's like, I don't know. And, and she goes, oh, he's 97. And the waitress says, oh, I don't think I'd want to live to be that old. And he goes, well, you would if you were 97, right? <laughs> it's like, like as you age, you're like, ah, oh, I, I think I would want to live to be 98. I'm 97. So that's us. That's us. 2 Corinthians 4, the other parallel passage to this, he describes the humble condition as outwardly we are wasting away. We are being destroyed, the CSB says, being destroyed actively, our, our bodies. And, and if you look at the, the whole context, 2 Corinthians 4 and 5, he describes in, in chapter 4 our bodies like a jar of clay, jar of clay, just a clay pot that's cracked and broken. And, and then in chapter 5, he talks about it as a tent. He says, we live in this tent of a body and we groan. We groan in this tent. And, and I, I feel that. Some of you guys have felt that groaning, the pain of this humble condition of a body that's like an old tent that's wearing out. Paul's saying, yeah, I felt that. And, and here's the other thing in 2 Corinthians the whole context of this is that Paul is defending his ministry because there's other people coming into the church that saying to the Corinthians, like, Paul, he's no big deal. Don't listen to him. Listen to us, these kind of false teachers. And Paul's defending his ministry. And, and the thing, what he's saying is actually this decaying, wasting away process is being sped up because I'm serving Jesus. You want to criticize me? Uh, here, look at my back. Look at the lashes that I took. Look at, I just read Acts 14, Iconium. They, they stoned him. They thought he was dead. They thought he and Silas were dead, and so they, they walked away. I mean, Paul's saying, oh yeah, let me tell you about the aging process. Like, I'm dying faster because I'm serving Jesus, so how do I reconcile these things? 2 Corinthians 11, he's, he lists the beatings and sufferings. 2 Corinthians 1, in, he says, we felt the sentence of death. Like, I know what it is to stand on the brink of death. We felt that. But look at what he says about his suffering. Verse 2 Corinthians 4, 17. I know we're kind of jumping back and forth, but, but look at, he says, for our momentary light affliction is producing for us. Like, this suffering, it's not for nothing. It's going somewhere. There's purpose in it. Okay, some of you, it wasn't a chia seed. It was a deer tick. It was whatever. But let me tell you, it's okay. It's going somewhere. Your suffering is not for nothing. This is what he says. It's producing something. What is it producing? What is the suffering, the beating, the, the virus, the, the physical pain that we go through? It's producing for us you could just put an exclamation point next to each of these words. Absolutely and absolutely incomparable, eternal weight of glory. That's amazing. We got to just think about this. In, in, in Philippians 3 where he says, he will transform the body of our humble condition into the likeness, the likeness of his glorious body. He's saying the same thing. He wants these churches to understand and take this in 
that our, resur- our bodies are going to be raised from the dead, transformed, and we are going to get a glorious body, and where he says in Philippians 3, like Jesus' glorious body. There's two things I want you to think about when you think about your resurrection body. The first thing is this. Your new resurrected body will be physical. It will be a real body. Physical. Now, the reason I want to point this out is because I think that when we think about heaven, we have this idea of we think spiritual means non-physical, non-material, and we're just kind of these spirits floating around in the clouds, and we don't understand, no, that is not the Christian biblical teaching on the afterlife, the future. It's a physical body. Look at John 21. In Jesus, he comes to the disciples and he says, hey, come have breakfast. Verse 12, and then in verse 13, so it says, Jesus came. He took the bread, gave it to them. Did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. Verse 15, when they had eaten breakfast. Okay, let's just stop right there. Jesus, this is post-cross, the crucifixion. Now he's walking around in a resurrected body. Remember in John 20, Thomas and the disciples, they, he shows them the, the, the scars from the cross. He's got a new body. By this time in John 21, they're eating breakfast. He's eating food. That's crazy. He's not just this ghost floating around, right? He's, a, he's, a, he's got a, a resurrected body. We see the guys on the road to Emmaus. It actually took them some time to notice that it was Jesus, right? So if you want to unpack this a little more and you really want to just have your mind blown, kind of something you can do on your own is read through. Sorry, I'm, I don't know, going through puberty or something. It's like reverse puberty. I don't know. It happens when you age, maybe. Is uh, go back to 1 Corinthians 15 and just read the chapter. And you will see, and it kind of ends with that one. Remember we talked about taunting death. Where, O oh, death, is your victory. Where, O oh, death, is your sting. That's in 1 Corinthians 15. And he says, you, your, your mortal body is like a seed that's put into the ground. And it's going to... It's going to grow up and it's going to be totally transformed. Because he's like, what's the resurrection body going to be like? I don't know. Look at a seed. That's kind of like your body. And when it, you put it into the ground, you have no idea what it's going to There's all kinds of glories of different flowers and trees. And that's what our new bodies are going to be like. But he says it's going to be raised a spiritual body. Again, spiritual does not mean non-physical or non-material. It means you're going to have new lungs that are going to be able to breathe the air of heaven. Your current body is not able to handle the climate in heaven. It would be like your body now going to Mars. You can't handle the the radiation and the, the different climate environment of Mars. You can't handle it. We can't right now, if they just transferred, plopped us into heaven, we can't handle it. Again, C.S. Lewis, The Great Divorce, remember they, they, those people that go to heaven and they can't handle it because the grass is too sharp. It's, everything in heaven is too real for these people from earth, right? They can't, that, that's how it is. You right now cannot 
Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God because you don't have the right body for the perfect place, right? A world that's not marred with sin. So Jesus gives you a new body. Isaiah 25 talks about there's going to be feasting, eating, drinking, choices of meats, aged wine. It's going to be amazing. Your, your current body just can't digest the food he's serving because your body right now is like, Dairy-free, gluten-free, sugar-free, nut-free, all that stuff. You can't handle all the good food they have up there, and that's great news. And so even with those different things that you feel, the allergies, the, all those things, like it, it kind of adds to what Paul's saying, that, it, that it's going to just add. The suffering now, is, it only adds to the glory that is to come. Your body's going to be physical transformed, but Paul says it's going to be into the likeness of his glorious body. The second thing about your new resurrected body is it will be glorious. Glorious. Do we have, this is a little Bible quiz. Do we have any descriptions in the Bible about what that glorious, that word, what does Jesus' glorious body look like? If you had to take someone into, you know, it's like, well, I want to show you what Jesus looks like right now. What passage would you go to? Well, there might be more than one. I often, you've heard me go to this one again, and I think we could read this every Sunday and be fine. So let's, let's go here again. It's in Revelation chapter 1, verses 12 through 18. Revelation 1, 12 through 18. It's the last, last book of the Bible, so, so easy book to find. Chapter 1, verse 12. This is John, then I turned to see whose voice it was that spoke to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was one like the Son of Man, dressed in a robe and with a golden sash wrapped around his chest. The hair of his head was white as wool, white as snow, and his eyes like a fiery flame, his feet were like fine bronze as it is fired in the furnace, and his voice like the sound of cascading waters. He had seven stars in his right hand. A sharp double-edged sword came from his mouth, and his face was shining like the sun at full strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet like a dead man. He laid his right hand on me and said, Don't be afraid. I am the first and the last and the living one. I was dead, but look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys to death and Hades. Now I want you to take that vision of Revelation 1. John sees Jesus glorified. And now take Philippians 3. Paul says, that's what you're going to look like into the likeness of his glorious body. I don't know if I can, I almost don't know if I can believe that. God is going to, in a sense, share his glory with us in a way that we Look like Jesus. That's mind-blowing. 
Maybe not a sword coming out of your mouth, seven stars in your right hand. But that's, it seems like Jesus is in pretty good health here. That's pretty good health news for us, right? This is what glory looks like. And Paul's saying, we're going to be recreated into the likeness of his glorious body. And so what he says in 2 Corinthians 14, what do we do about this? He goes, so in light of this doctrine of glorification, in light of this, I believe in the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting, in light of that, what do we do? He says in 2 Corinthians 4, so we fix our eyes not on what we can see, not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And I think that in our American, Western, materialistic culture, I think that we struggle with this. When I say materialistic, I don't just mean like we like shopping a lot. I mean we believe that the material world is all there is. Our greatest doctrine is trust the science, right? Believe in what you can see and trust that, not in what you can't see. That is our, and uniquely in our city, Iowa City, this Johnson County, right, with the hospital, university. It's like this is, my hope is built on nothing less than University of Iowa's latest test, right? It's like, you know, like that's, I hope that they've got all my health problems figured out and I'm going to trust that. Um, Paul says, why, if you believed in the doctrine of glorification and what your future is, why then would you focus on what you can see? So Jeff Dodge uh, started a theological training program for Zambian pastors. I had the privilege of teaching these men. And my topic was heaven. What a privilege to speak to these pastors about heaven. So I went on my usual rant about glory. You've probably heard me do this. If you want to know what heaven's like, think of your 10 best moments on earth. And it's kind of like that forever. And I'm, I'm just in a, you know, I'm going on about how amazing heaven is going to be. And heaven is going to be like earth, only way better. And then I look at these pastors and I say, what things do you love on earth and just think about how much more amazing heaven is going to be. And their faces lit up. I could see, it was like all their faces were just glowing. And you know what they started saying? I'm going to see my child again. My son that I lost as a baby, I'm going to see him again. There's and another person said, there's not going to be any more tears. Another guy, I'm going to be able to see. No more sickness. And as they started shooting out their answers, I was thinking, these guys don't get it. They're totally missing the point of what I'm trying to illustrate 
No, guys, I'm talking about earth. What stuff on earth do you love? And they talk about heaven. And in that moment, to my shame, I'm standing up there as this American pastor talking to them about how amazing earth is. And they were teaching me. And for a moment, I almost just sat down and started crying as these men told me about what heaven is going to be like. And here is the great irony. Planet Earth, BBC's nature documentary, goes to their backyard to film some of the most amazing things that happen on this planet. The largest mammal migration, these fruit bats, uh, we actually sat in the BBC blind with bats flying around us. Like we went there. It's only like 45 minutes from their village. We went there. Uh, we went to, or there's also Victoria Falls, the, the most amazing waterfall in planet Earth, the largest sheet of falling water, Victoria Falls, right in their backyard. The leopards in the Luangwa Valley, in their backyard, and guess what? They have never seen it because they can't afford the taxi ride to get there or the entrance fee into the park. It's too expensive for them, and they're too busy surviving. But don't pity them. Pity the tourists that have come to see these natural wonders, but don't have the hope that these men have. Because to them, there's a weight of glory that far outweighs their suffering. And this is the only way on the plane ride home I could reconcile what I had experienced because it's not fair that they are there and we are here and we're experiencing the glories of this earth and they suffer. And this morning I invite the Apostle Paul and our Zambian brothers and sisters to plead with us Americans Fix your eyes, not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Why is your intent, just in what Paul says here, he's, he calls your suffering light, momentary. Light is the, is the word for a weightless trifle. That's what Paul thinks about your suffering. It's only light when there's that big, massive boulder of future glory on the scale to make it light. When you factor glory out of the equation, your suffering is a big deal. But when you put glory into the equation, it changes everything. And I think some of us might have an objection right now. You know, hey, Mark, can I just stop you right now? 
doesn't all this talk about future glory minimize the suffering and pain in the world? It's kind of what Jake was talking about last week. Doesn't that lack empathy? Like we got people here in this room that are really suffering and it seems like you're minimizing it. Here's my response to that. No, I think that elevating human suffering over future glory is what minimizes human life because it forgets that we are not just bodies, we are souls and we will live forever. And when you don't talk about salvation and heaven and good news about a transformed, resurrected body, you are minimizing human life. Of course, we mourn with those who mourn. Of course, I would not be talking with this way with you one-on-one. I'm, I'm preaching the truth and the text. Of course, we, we enter into people's pain, but we have to encourage them with the truth and the hope. Imagine the absurdity of me telling those Zambian pastors, no, you guys are not getting it. What you really need, what you really need is what we have in America. What you really need is modern medicine. What you need is WebMD. That will help you so much. What you really need is more money, more meat, (laughs) clean water. You, You guys don't get it. Like, you need what we have. That's absurd. Their suffering is great in our eyes, at times unbearable, but they are fine because glory carries weight in their lives. So just as we close, I, I just was thinking about processing this with, with my wife, Letha, because both of us, you know, as we age, we talk about health. And, and it's okay to, obviously, you're going to go to the doctor, you're going to, you get it, Right? But, but I was just, we were talking about what do we do in light of this truth? And the thing she was reflecting on is, well, I think what we do is three things. I think we ask, I think we accept, and I think we choose joy. And I, I don't know if she had been listening to Elizabeth Elliot. I think that was her application on this. It, just ask. Ask God what you want him to do for you. Bring your anxiety, fear, suffering, bring it to the Lord. Ask. Talk to him about it. Ask him for healing. Ask him for help. Asking, present your request to God, right? But the second thing is accept. Accept the situation you're in. Bring the posture of your heart to that place that says, I can accept this because I believe that with God, suffering is never for nothing. Your will be done. Jesus, I trust you. That's acceptance. And the last one is choose joy. Can I still smile and care about other people in the midst of my pain? Can I still be happy even though what I'm going through is really hard? Ask, accept, choose joy. I think what we do is the opposite. We take charge. We go right to WebMD. 
We fight God. We refuse to submit to the suffering. And we often choose self-pity. Our suffering defines us and we become, it becomes our identity. No. As we focus on future glory, we bring it before the Lord. We can accept it and we can choose joy this morning because of this beautiful doctrine of glorification. Let's pray together. As we pray, I want to just, we're going to do communion here in a second, but I just want to, just with your eyes closed, I want to describe this interaction that that Jesus has with uh, a woman who's suffering loss and sadness. John 11. Let me just take you there for a moment. Martha had just lost her brother Lazarus. Tragic death. Jesus looks at Martha and he says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will never die. Martha, do you believe this? Let me just, just I want you to hear Jesus saying your name. Hey, Mark, do you believe this? Just hear Jesus say your name. Do you believe this? And as we take communion this morning, if you believe this, I invite you to come. I invite you to come to the table and declare your belief that you believe in the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting because Jesus conquered death. And I invite you as you come to say along with Martha, yes, Lord, I believe you are the Messiah, the Son of God. Let's do this in remembrance of Jesus.